Hi. Hi. Welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. I'm Sverre Ågur. And my name's Thomas Imosen Balmbra. And today we're discussing the 1995 movie Kids, directed by Larry Clark and written by Harmony Corinne, and starring Chloe Sevigny, Leo Fitzpatrick, Justin Pierce, and Rosario Dawson, all in their first parts in a movie ever, I do believe. Yeah, this is the first for all uh, these people. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good, pretty impressive. And it's the first real movie that uh, Harmony Corinne has been involved in, first major motion picture. Yeah, he he wrote it. Uh, he wrote it at 19, I believe? Yeah, actually, I think Larry Clark met him. Harmony Corinne uh, gave him a VHS, I think, of... Uh, he used to carry VHS tapes of his, like, short movies and stuff, and he used to give them away. Larry Clark watched the thing and was impressed, I guess, mm. and contacted him and, and asked him to write something. Yeah, yeah, he wanted him to write about, like, the kids' lifestyle. Uh, yeah. So what's this film uh, about, Svada? Well, it's about... Just a bunch of teenagers, skating teenagers, doing drugs and having sex in New York City. Yeah. In the mid-90s. It's very of its time. Very. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, it reminds me of Christiana F. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. It does. Except um, I think this movie is a lot more humorous. It has a, like, it feels a, a, a bit bouncier and, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the tone is quite different. Yeah, it's totally quite different, but... At the same time, it, it feels like the same type of movie. It doesn't have like the traditional uh, Hollywood plot, although it does have a plot. It's shot in a sort of documentary fashion. Well, a lot of people thought it was a documentary, interesting yeah, enough, in its time. It's been mistaken for that. Uh, it has kind of like a handheld camera. Yeah. A lot of the sound design is, uh, uses a lot of like the noises from the streets and stuff. So it feels as if it's just... Um, yeah, but every scene is written. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah the, I mean, the dialogue flows very almost casually, yeah. uh, but poignantly, as you say, very specifically written by Harmony Corinne. But you would be forgiven for thinking that it had been improvised. Yeah. I mean, it's written by a 19-year-old set who basically knows the scene. Like, it's written uh, based on real people. I think the only uh, story that happens in the movie is the main plot point uh, regarding uh, Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as I understood it, because the film had a lot of critical acclaim, and both Larry Clark and Harmony Corinne, uh, I think it uh, showed at Cannes yeah. quite well. And um, they were quite surprised that so many people were shocked by this movie, because it is quite shocking and intense. For like a lot of the actors, they felt like it was kind of like their normal everyday life, more or less. Yeah, I think Leo Fitzpatrick, mm. who plays Tally yeah. in the movie, a horrible, horrible character. He said like it just felt like a regular day, uh, yeah. or, or rather that summer he just wanted something to do. And uh, it didn't feel like shooting a movie, it just felt like some days there were cameras there. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Like that was the vibe. Yeah, because that's the thing, because they shot it over a summer. Yeah. And uh, as we said before, they're mostly amateurs. All um, amateurs, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, Larry Clark had a background as a um, photographer. Yeah, I mean, the actors uh, are yeah. all uh, amateurs. And uh, it's interesting uh, to note that um, Jenny was actually supposed to be played by another yeah, uh, actress um, who actually had experience acting. And mm. that was uh, problematic in the setting because mm. it felt like she had way too much experience compared to the others. And she was supposed to be the sort of most naive character almost. Yeah. Oh. So that dynamic didn't work at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harmony Corinne basically wrote the part for Chloe Sevigny. Um, oh, he did? Who, who was, uh, they were childhood friends, actually. Did they date? Am I mistaken? I'm not sure. I haven't. 
Because she's all, also part of um, Gummo, I think. Yeah, she's in Gummo. She's in Gummo. Um, and mean, this it, movie has a lot of, I think, thematic uh, connections to Gummo. But it also feels yeah. a lot like uh, Richard Linklater's movie, Slacker. Like a you mix, know, I, I was thinking of Slacker. A mix between Slacker and Gummo almost. Slacker, it kind of it has the same vibe, the same era, but, but it's, it's not a very as dark. different type of movie. It's not as dark. Yeah, and it's not really driven by a story. In it. it's, it's more no. like just a glimpse of different people's conversations. Which, which uh, this movie is. I mean, this is more streamlined into a, a specific series of events. What it's like um, if Slacker had a dark major plot point, like Larry Clark uh, has mm. said about this movie, mm. they needed a sort of a damsel in distress tied to a railroad track to give the movie its sense of urgency. And that was the Jenny plot line. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't know that, that is in the start of the movie, she is tested for STDs and is informed that she has HIV. Yeah. And uh, Telly, which is perhaps the other major character, well, one of the major characters, he's gone around and he's, he's like, uh, he calls himself a virgin surgeon. <laughs> and he goes around just talking about how much he loves fucking virgins and he loves taking their virginity. And he's the one who uh, had sex with uh, Jenny. Yeah, yeah she's, she, she's, she's she, only had uh, sexual intercourse with him and uh, he's disease-ridden and he goes around fucking virgins yeah. all the time. That's his thing. Yeah, it uh, starts, actually, the yeah. opening scene is kind of... It starts with him making out with a young teenage girl. Yeah, and then trying to convince her to have sex. Yeah, and that's and actually the first time uh leo fitzpatrick yeah. ever acted that's true yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, he was i think they were supposed to film something else but then it got shuffled around and he ended up doing uh, the sex scene as his first scene as a yeah he convinces actor. the girl to have sex with him yeah. and that's and he said um after that uh, everything else is easy you know <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, it's a it's a good scene it's almost kind of sweet to begin with and then it seems a bit it weird. seems sweet and then when the intercourse starts he becomes very uh disinterested in her personal yeah, and she says like, oh, it hurts, but he just keeps, yeah, yeah. keeps going. Uh, and um, as he leaves, he spits in her family home before going outside and meeting his friend. And they have a, a very adolescent conversation yeah, about Guy sexual, talk about, yeah. Yeah, oh, I love fucking virgins and yeah. uh, sex is so amazing. And you really, at this point, you really just fucking hate the guy. Yeah, because you, you realize all that talk about he's so uh, sensitive and romantic. Yeah. But it was really just to, to, to fuck her. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite rehearsed. As you see later, he uses the same lines of dialogue. Yeah, it's to tied in with, uh, yeah. really towards the end of the movie, yeah. you see the same scene. At this point, you know he has HIV <laughs> and it yeah. just becomes uh, a lot more uh, sinister. And uh... Close to character, her journey in the film is more or less, she finds out she has HIV and tries to find uh, the Fitzpatrick character, Telly. And, yeah, throughout the movie, that's uh, sort she, of she's the... Because this is before mobile phones and stuff, so yeah. she's... She's um, has to go around asking people yeah. if they've seen Where him. Where is it? Yeah, and they, they kind of belong to the same um, more or less crowd. Yeah, clique of people. So her journey is to find him and tell him that he has a disease. Yeah, that's sort of the red thread. Yeah. And the, his journey is just to find a new, really young girl and to have sex with yeah, her. Yeah, he's trying to woo hmm. the next. Like his his mission is to have sex, to de-virginize two girls on the same day. Yeah, that's that's his, his goal. And he is portrayed, I mean, his acting is really good and you believe it. He's, he's awkward and sleazy, and uh, but his journey is... I mean, you're watching it and you really dislike him in a way. Absolutely. <laughs> and he's hanging out with his buddy. Yeah, it's Justin Pierce. He plays Casper. Uh, he's, he's great in this movie. And they sort of hang out and mm. shoot the shit and just talk about, constantly talk about sex, 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 sex. Like, that's the main focus of their 
lives, basically, is sex mm. and attaining sex and having sex. Yeah, and it's kind of almost feels like children bragging, except that they're actually doing drugs. and Right. Whatever. I mean, they're quite immature. In some ways, they're almost charming looking at them as kids because they're not, I mean, they're teenagers, but they still have a lot of the childishness about yeah, them. Yeah, I, I think it, it rings true in a lot of ways because that's how teenagers often are. Mm like trying to impress each other and trying to act yeah. older than they are. Yeah. But it's, uh, I read a sort of a, an anecdote from Rosario Dawson mm. who said that <laughs> when they were shooting the scene where she and Jenny are going to the STD clinic yeah. and she uh, sort of lists all the people she's had sex with mm-hmm. and she's had anal intercourse and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And that's, in fact, the first day she actually kissed a guy. (laughs) So so in reality, she's like super innocent and she's playing this promiscuous uh, girl. But at the same time, in the interview, she talks about she had a lot of friends who were like that, who who were interested in sort of uh, sleazy drug dealing boys and were doing a lot of, uh, you know, over the line stuff for teenagers. She's very convincing. She is. All of the actors are very yeah, convincing. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's in large part because it's written by one of their own in a way and, and they are basically playing themselves. Also, it's it's very well cast. Like it has a good eye for yeah. what kind of people function. I mean, some of the scenes where you have groups of people, you can tell that some people have kind of less chemistry yeah. with their camera. They're not bad exactly, no. but the main, all the main characters, they function very well. But I think the lack of chemistry doesn't hurt the movie because no. in teenage cliques, a lot of the time there is awkwardness yeah, yeah. and yeah, there is, have... you know, uh, mm. bad chemistry. Uh, it's in- interesting to note that Leo Fitzpatrick and, and Justin Pierce did not get along on set. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, oh, Leo Fitzpatrick says they were like oil and water. Okay, okay. So... That's very convincing because yeah, they seem they like they're very good chemistry. They seem yeah. like they have really great yeah. chemistry. So yeah. that's uh, well well acted on their part. <sighs> Justin Pierce uh, actually it's quite a sad fate. Mm, yeah. He committed suicide in two thousand, I believe. A few years later, yeah. Yeah, just a few a few years later, uh, which is sad because he he's, he showed great promise mm. in this movie. Right? As far as I understand, there was another actor who had an untimely. Uh, Demise, not, yeah. not one of the main ones. Uh, no, Harold Hunter actually, yeah. who who is the black kid? Yeah, that's uh, right. in the in the, in the same uh, clique. skating clique. He was actually a professional skater. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he died of a cocaine overdose in two thousand six. Mm. So, so it's kind of weird. Some people had really good careers after some, not so much. Yeah, mm. some some people became you know famous actors, and other people just uh, went. Yeah, yeah. Leo uh, Fitzpatrick is probably mostly known for The Wire. Yeah, great, great uh, character in The Wire. He yeah. um, hangs out with uh, Bubbles, yeah. the other <laughs> Bubbles, yeah. sort of super charming um, heroinist. Yeah, junkies. Or crackhead, really. Yeah. And uh, He gets HIV in that one as well. Yeah, he does Leo Fitzpatrick's character. Um, <laughs> Bubbles sort of takes him under his wing mm. as a sort of, a, I don't know, aspiring junkie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something a bit naive about that character. He's kind of like uh, learning the ropes. Yeah. Um, but... You know, as a sad character, yeah. but he's sympathetic. Telly, Leo Fitzpatrick's character in this movie, is not sympathetic. No. He's uh, just a sleazy yeah. douchebag. You really. very quickly learn to dislike him. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, like, I can see why people were upset. And you, you said that they were surprised that people found it upsetting. I, I don't think that's the case. I read that they were mostly afraid that they weren't going to be releasing this movie, that they weren't going to get jobs within the movie industry after releasing this movie because they knew that it was extremely subversive and uh, raw and intense. And and that was the intent too. 
they wanted to do a really well. Uh, I think that's that, I think that's movie. right from uh, the directors. Yeah, but like for, for the actors, I think they felt like the shoot. I think was quite casual in many ways. Yeah, like, they didn't quite understand it at all. Like Chloe Sevigny says, she she didn't even know what kind of person she was at the time. She was heavily into the rave scene, uh, mm. and she says like um, she and Rosario Dawson were really quite the opposite. Yeah. She was a lot more experienced. Uh, but played, you know, the naive yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but but, but they, very, did, uh, they were young and naive, everyone involved. And, yeah. and I guess we could address uh, a thing about this movie, which which I at least find problematic, mm-hmm. or, <laughs> I don't know, at least a bit off-putting. It says the, the director is uh, was 50, 52 or something. Uh, yeah, when, that, when Larry he, Clark is very interesting. I mean, like I said, he... He's been a fine arts photographer for, yeah. a, for a while. Focusing uh, on drug use. Well, because he, he went to Vietnam. Yeah. And after that, he did a series. It's a book. It's called Tulsa, I think. Yeah. yeah. About the young men whom he went to war with and their drug abuse after that. Yeah. And he's kind of had a long career photographing young semi-naked bodies. Adolescent yeah. teenagers. Like, that's yeah. been a sort of a theme of his yeah. that and drug use and it's oh, but often also mixed up with family life and this sort of stuff so and often subcultures yeah. like surfers or, or and he didn't get into film until kids and he was in his 50s at this point yeah and he continued his film career uh, with bully and ken park and as a very old man still <laughs> focusing on a lot of well young really young yeah, yeah young like teenagers and adolescents and uh, there's a lot of sex in his work, unsimulated, like actual sex. Yeah. So there's a s- sort of a miasma of sleaze about the production of this movie. There are some anecdotes. Uh, I think the cinematographer for the movie talked about how Harmony Corrine and um, Larry Clark, he says something like, uh, it wasn't like uh, father and son. It was far more creepy than that or far more weird than that. And they talk about how some of the actors would uh, spend the night at Larry Clark's house. Yeah, like I've never heard any controversies about him specifically. But there is something a little creepy about him through very old age still being extremely focused on the bodies of young men. Yes. I mean, a lot of the young men in this film are naked from the waist up. There's a lot of just semi-naked yeah. kids in this movie yeah. and um, it doesn't help the sort of sleaziness uh, surrounding it that well, Harvey I mean, Weinstein was uh, deeply involved in the uh, funding of it. Yeah, he, uh, with the distribution and stuff, but the film was made without him, I think. Yeah, I'm just saying it doesn't really help the well, image you, and I'm not saying that stuff happened. As far as I know, there hasn't been any allegations of that but when you read about a 50-year-old guy learning to skateboard mm. and hanging out with, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids, yeah. well, it I doesn't... Because I have mixed feelings about it. To me, it just rings a bit odd. But at the same time, if you're going to make a film about adolescence, then kind of joining the culture and learning to skate and all that, it's kind of essential, really, to get... Because one of the things that's nice about the film, it certainly is a harrowing tale of youth culture. Yeah. But it's not moralising. It doesn't look at them from the lens of a patronising gaze. No, that was the intent of Larry Clark. Yeah. He explicitly states that he wants to have natural dialogue between uh, teenagers and showing, you know, kids interacting in a way that the suits in Hollywood wouldn't allow the old men of, you know, the movie-making yeah, industry, it, which is really, interesting can, considering he's 50. And really, you can only get that kind of confidence by kind of joining the culture. Gaining their trust. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think Leo 
Fitzpatrick states it explicitly and says it was imperative for him mm. to gain the trust of the kids. And you know, part of me thinks that he has maybe a little bit of a Peter Pan syndrome in a way. He's kind of locked in a certain age group. It's an interesting parallel, let's mm. just say, Peter Pan syndrome, because it reminds me of another famous person, uh, Michael oh, yeah. Jackson. Okay. And um, I have no doubts whatsoever that he abused children. So, I mean, we were talking about that in the 90s. I'm not yeah. sure why that is a question even. No, you know, him walking, I mean, him walking around his basically young boyfriends at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a great musician, but I mean, he was definitely a troubled individual. Yeah. No one is going to say that he wasn't. But uh, I got to say that, like, I haven't read anything that suggests that there was anything troubling, that anything explicit. Well, or, I, I haven't heard it. No, I haven't heard it. Um, but, and ultimately, it's... It's a great movie. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, it's really good. It's held up really well. I mean, this is your first time seeing it. Yeah, it, is, it was I, my first I time. I saw it back in the day and I think I kind of coloured my idea of skating culture in a <laughs> negative... Uh, yeah. It feels. It just feels very genuine. It does feel genuine. There are yeah. a couple of scenes. I, was, I didn't belong to a skater subculture when I grew up, but a couple of the scenes... Uh, they ring very true. Like yeah. the, the, the drug buying scene, yeah. it's just super convincing. Like, that's and they also have this um, almost instructional video how to uh, make a joint. Yeah, how uh, to make a blunt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, like they show it very explicitly. Yeah. They, they don't hint at it. They just really try it to show shows, it. It just shows the process. And uh, mm. there's a scene, which I think is one of the few improvised scenes in the movie where a bunch of kids are just sitting and getting high and they're like mm. 12 years old and naked from the waist up. <laughs> and they're yeah, actually it, smoking Yeah, because this, this is one of the characters that we've seen a little bit, uh, one of the younger boys. Yes. There are a lot of troublingly young boys, 11, 12, hanging around this, uh, these a older, bit older yeah, kids. Yeah, like 16, 15, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the young kids, they're sitting in the couch and they're just talking around and, and they're still feel very much like kids, but they're emulating a lot of the speech, a lot of the attitudes, yeah. and it feels kind of weird. And they're also smoking. It feels uh, weird, Mariana. but I, I remember yeah. like 12 years old, that mm. was sort of how it was. Like you were mm. trying to definitely act older than you were. Oh, yeah. Like you're trying to like, that's the age. I remember first smoking and stuff and, mm. and trying weed and uh, like it does ring true, but it's, it's also a bit like, <laughs> yeah. feels uh, sleazy. Mm. <laughs> You, you, like, I mean, where are they naked from the waist up? Like, I don't... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, like... I mean, this is uh, California, is it? No, it's New York, actually. Okay. But, but, so but this, it's interesting I mean, that you say that, because I got a sort of California vibe from yeah, it. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's the skating. Yeah. yeah. It's always sunny. It looks like it's always yeah, warm. Yeah, it is in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, New York my, my point is that the weather's always good. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, half-naked people going around. Yeah. So it doesn't feel out of place so much with these kids. It just feels like it's part of the, the summer thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good scenes. A lot of great and, you know, off-putting scenes. Uh, you, ha you have a, a scene early on where there's these bunch of these guys talking about sex and life and everything, and then yeah. it's mirrored by another scene with a girl gang yeah. talking about it. And they jump back and forth and they talk about the same topics. And you yeah. see, like, the experiences, uh, men versus women at that age. Yeah, there's one thing they talk about, like, all the guys are sitting around getting yeah. high off, like, nitrous or something, yeah. and... Um, they talk about how w just women love sucking dick or whatever. Yeah. They love sucking dick. They just can't get enough of it. And then you cut to the women talking and yeah. they're like, 
Ah, oh, sucking dick is so gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how like semen gets in your teeth yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Oh, like the scenes are quite funny. Yeah, like, um, absolutely. Yeah. Th- there is a real charm to the interaction mm. between the different. Yeah, but gangs. it's a good juxtaposition because it shows some of the dynamics that uh, men and women have at that age. I think. Yeah. And it feels quite raw. It feels raw, but at that point, it's still like it hasn't gotten that darkness because the STD scene hasn't. No, hasn't. That's uh, before that. And I think that. That colors the movie after that scene. That's sort of the the jumping off point mm. for the drama in the movie. There's a scene a bit further on where it definitely gets serious. When um, the guys are out skating and uh, this Justin Place character, Casper. Yeah, yeah, Casper. So he, uh, he's skating by another guy and they start to... They get into a... Yeah, just a, just a small... Yeah, look out where you're skating or Yeah, whatever. and it quickly turns into an extremely violent situation when all the skaters are just beating beat the up shit on, out of this, yeah. this guy. And it's uh, implied that he might have actually been murdered. Yeah. Though it's they're unclear. only just laughing it off. Yeah, yeah. Afterwards, they're yeah. talking about... Yeah, he was still twitching, but I don't know. Is he dead? It's really brutal. Um, and yeah. uh, after they've beaten him up and just kicked him while yeah. he was on the ground, Casper and Telly just spit in his face. Yeah, yeah. It's just... And this really disgusts me. I mean, like, if they, the two of them had fought it out, yeah. okay, so more or less fair or whatever, but, like, there's, how many are there, like, 13 or 15? 20? Yeah, like, 20 people, yeah. there's so many gathering on this one guy. It's Wailing just, on him. Like, yeah, it really... It's unfair, and it's, it's just... so disgusting. Yeah, it's yeah. so disgusting. It, it really puts into light, like, how, how nasty these characters really are. Like, they're yeah. teenagers, but they are acting like psychos. Yeah. That, that scene starts really nice as well with... Um, kind of casual conversation. It's the same scene where they show the, the Blanc being... Uh, yeah, and they have like a solid five minutes of them just high-fiving each other yeah. and saying hello. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's just, hey, yo, how's it going? It's a good scene and it all feels very natural. Like, you know, but you're seeing something really shitty unfold. I, re- I really like the, the sound design in this movie, actually. A lot of the early scenes, they use a lot of like traffic noise or jazz music yeah. as a way of making you feel uh, uneasy all the time. Because, I mean, the, the, the camera's handheld and a lot of the early scenes also, it's kind of it's shifting not about, hand- moving it, around. It's not always handheld. A lot of the scenes are handheld. Yeah, it's, it's, shaky cam. it's shifting around and, and moving. And at the same time, you have the music that's going in the background or like the traffic noise. Is, which makes you feel quite uneasy. I, I still think the the, and, the sound design and cinematography work well together. The cinematographer is, uh, I think, uh, Gus Van Sant's cinematographer. Yep. Um, he's, he's the most experienced guy in there. Yeah, probably. Shoot, yeah. And yeah. it's re- it's well shot. And mm. um, like, uh, he uses a lot of shaky cam, but also some uh, you know more um, fixed position uh, views. And um, it feels very deliberate. Like it feels very deliberate, like to cause an effect, but uh, I would say it's very effective, and mm. you don't really think about the cinematography too much. I think because um, it's used to an effect, and the effect is achieved throughout the movie. It's, well, it, it's it, well I mean, shot. It's, it's deliberate in the terms of the scenes where it moves; it feels natural that it yeah, does, yeah. and where it's still, it, it's it, it, like it's in the most the, chaotic scenes, the yeah. camera moves the most, oh, yeah. you know? like the walking through traffic or the parties. Yeah. But it's it feels very deliberately done. Like you have like the honking of the um, horns from the cars, yeah, kind of punctuating the things they're saying a little bit. Um, it's, and also uh, just framing the setting, you mm. know, of the the big city mm. and uh, the the chaos and the and the noise and the and, and, and then the, you have other scenes later on where the sound is used. Like there's um towards the end there's a, a rape scene. 
Because um, what happens is that Chloe Sivini's character, what's her name? Um, Jenny. Jenny, yeah. Because she's looking for Telly, trying to find him. And at um, some point one, uh, during one of the parties, there's actually a harmony. Corinne plays the guy who gives her some drugs. Yeah, kind of at the club earlier, yeah. she she goes to a club. She's looking for Telly and yeah. she uh, meets up with... Uh, Apparently, her friend, yeah, play, yeah. played by a Harmony Korean, yeah, with and these he's kind big of coke, coke bottle glasses, yeah, 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 gives her some uh, ecstasy or, yeah, or something. He like kind that. of ketamine forces her into it a little bit. I yeah. feel, uh, and anyway, she, she so, has a bad trip. Basically, so from then on, she's kind of a bit hazy, and yeah. more and more as it goes along, and eventually, she ends up at this party where Telly is having sex with a girl, and she's yeah. Casper and, and Telly yeah. went to this party, yeah. uh, and Telly went there explicitly to have sex yeah. with this underage girl because he's the virgin surgeon yeah. that's what he does and he wanted to have sex with two virgins in a day yeah and so jenny comes too late she sees them having sex she feels really dejected it, like she goes to confront him i think yeah. and she and then mid-sex basically yeah and she doesn't manage and he's like just yeah. shut the door and at, at this point she's she's also quite high and uh just feels really dejected so she sits down on the couch and falls asleep and at this point casper wakes up He's in the bathtub. Yeah, the the previous scene yeah, actually is yeah. interesting. With um, <laughs> uh, his friend is throwing up, and then just passes up next to yeah. the toilet, and then he's sitting in the bathtub drinking yeah. a forty and just uh, singing about Casper the Friendly Ghost yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. And this dude comes in to piss while he's there, and it's yeah. just it's really gnarly. And then he wakes up yeah, and yeah. he goes around the apartment just drinking these what's left in the bottle, which yeah, is yeah, like fifty yeah. percent. And he's kind of looking at the other people and saying, oh, this there's a couple there, there's yeah. a couple there." Everyone there. has their yeah. partner, and uh, he's jealous about Telly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting with his Telly character because he's good at talking people into things. Yeah, because you have a lot of scenes where there's other guys trying to talk girls into sexual encounters, but they uh, can't and they're do un- it. unsuccessful. Yeah. and you can see the difference between his thing and their thing. But anyway, like the dude, and, uh, oh, I want to take you to, I want to buy you corn dogs. Yeah, it's quite pathetic and quite juvenile. And you get really get the feeling that Casper also isn't that good at this stuff. Yeah. And uh, as you say, he's probably quite jealous. And then he sees. He talks a big talk, but it seems like he sort of uh, idolizes Telly. Yeah. yeah. Or at least Telly's uh, way of getting access to girls. And so he sees uh, Jenny passed out on the couch. And uh, he decides to fuck her, so he, he rapes her. He basically rapes yeah. her. She's non-responsive. Yeah, she doesn't. I mean, she, I think there's some hint of her waking up a little bit, and yeah, then he dur- says during the rape, yeah. she sort of wakes up and is like, and he says like, "Don't worry, it's me, it's Casper," as yeah. if that makes it all right. And she's like, "No," but he just keeps going. Yeah, and that's nasty because until then he hasn't been the nastiest character. I mean, he beat up the the guy in the skate park. Yeah, but, um, potentially murdering him. But he's kind of been in the shadow of Telly's behavior yeah. to that point. Yeah. And then he Culminating becomes... in the rape, you know, to sort of... Uh... And, the, and this scene is also very good. It's very effective because it's one of the most quiet scenes. And mostly Quite the thing... slow you, too. Yeah, mostly what you hear is like the, just the couch sounds, the squeaking couch. Yeah. The way they portray sex... It's quite realistic. I mean, it's just how the bodies interact. It doesn't look like movie sex. It looks like just a bit clumsy, a bit just random, just yeah. like sex actually looks like. Yeah, um, def- definitely. And it's a long take, just watching them. Yep. Uh, or him going at it. It's like a uh, slow train crash. And at, at this point, I mean, you've built a lot of sympathy up for Jenny because she's it's naive, very nice she's having uh, the worst day of her life basically yeah she's a nice girl like yeah uh, a lot of she seems like the responsible one yeah i mean not only is she told she has hiv she's getting raped the same day 
that's some unpleasant shit going on. He uh, presumably also gets HIV. There's one thing I don't like about this film. What? Specifically, and it's the very, very end. Because after this, you have... And by the way, it's not... I don't think, like, getting HIV through vaginal intercourse isn't actually that common. Filmically, it does. You know, it, I would for say, the story... I would say work. at this point of time, yeah. when there was still quite a lot of HIV uh, uh, hysteria, and yeah, it, yeah. At this point in time, it was still more like a death sentence. Today, you do get a lot of medicines that can help you. No, I don't mean that you that it isn't a death sentence. I mean like, that I mean that the chance of getting HIV through vaginal intercourse is very low. Yeah, I mean it's definitely not guaranteed. But the, like the narrative of HIV, especially at that point, was and the narrative, if you have sex with someone that's HIV, yeah, yeah. you're gonna get it, you're gonna die. And the narrative yeah. in this movie sort of demands that. It, it implies it yeah, strongly. It yeah, does. Yeah. Anyway, my point was that after this rape scene, you have. Um, day after the, the morning rituals of different people. Yeah. And the camera ends up with Casper kind of waking up and innocently saying like, oh, what happened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't like that. No. I don't like the... Kind of removes a bit of... Kind of takes away a bit of his responsibility in yeah. a way. And it, it's as if it says, oh, too bad this guy got AIDS and died. Yeah. Instead of... Uh, examining the fact that he's a rapist. horrible rapist and uh, extremely uh, violent and... Uh, and possibly murder? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it kind of... The film lands saying, uh, everyone got AIDS, that's too bad. <laughs> and yeah. that just They should feels actually a bit just have ended yeah. the movie with like a black screen and, and everyone, got, everyone got AIDS. Yeah. The end. Yeah, and I, I, that just feels a little bit off to me. Other than that, I like it a lot, I have to say. Actually, right before that, you have a voiceover of Telly just yeah, saying, yeah. I love sex, it's all I think yeah, about yeah. getting that pussy or whatever. Yeah. It's, I get the point of the voiceover, but I think it's kind of superfluous, really. I don't, I don't mind the voiceover, but I do think the ending scene is a bit like, what? Mm. What happened? Yeah. It's, like a, like it's a, a bit ha- goofy, actually. Yeah, it's like the hangover or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think, like... It doesn't really ruin the movie for me oh, because I think the not. plot ties up very well. Um, I, just the ending scene is a bit goofy, but I don't, I don't really mind that. Yeah, well, it, to me, it's not just that it's goofy; it's, it's just that it places the emphasis a bit off. Yeah. But uh, as I said, I really like it. Uh, otherwise, and it's so easy that a film like this would have kind of like a moralistic Moral? yeah. and patronizing point of view. Yeah. Like a lot of films, like Christiana F., which we talked about earlier, which does is... does uh, have a sort of patronizing... Yeah, because uh, it is definitely told from the perspective of an outside person yeah. looking at it from Well, maybe not perspective, uh, not, not maybe patronizing, but it definitely has sort of a, an intent of showing... But patronizing in the sense that it has a very clear idea of morality and right and wrong. Yeah, and yeah. These people are doing wrong now, they're doing drugs, they're bad for doing drugs. Yeah. And this film doesn't do that. I mean, it does show kids having sex, but it doesn't say it's wrong for kids to have sex. Well, it's implicitly uh, Larry Clark didn't want to have that judgmental yeah. air over it. He did want to have a very like free glimpse into how kids actually talk to each other and how they act yeah. and, and not be moralistic about it, yeah. not, not be judgmental. And that, that makes it much stronger, I think. Yeah, um, it, it makes the movie strong because it could easily, like the, if you just, you know, describe the plot, it could easily be a terrible movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, the film is kind of like every parent's nightmare. Yeah. If you have kids, <laughs> you're going to hate this movie. Yeah. It's really just the worst thing you can imagine for your kid. You yeah, know? for every, all imagine of the being being Jenny's mother. <laughs> yeah, or even Telly's mother, or yeah. anyone. Yeah, we got Telly's mother yeah. when she's breastfeeding the the kid, and um, and Telly and Casper going, yeah. you know, 
steal money from her. And then after they've stolen the money, they're going, hey, can I get, get some money? Like, yeah. not only do they steal, they want to mm. fucking get even more money. Like, they're so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that seems good. And, and it's interesting because as it leaves that scene, the first thing you see is a statue of George Washington. It's, yeah. like, it's a stone statue and his face is deteriorated a lot. It's cracked. Yeah. And I feel like that's a commentary on, like, America's uh, <laughs> current state. Uh, yeah. What's the tagline on the cover? It's like, uh, this is a wake-up call to America or something. I yeah. find that a bit like, yeah. That's a yeah, but lame. I mean, I think for a lot of people, kind of similar to Christiana F., it's kind of sends a message about what young kids are up to these days. And yeah. it's shocking to people who don't know. Yeah. There's a cool bit of uh, of foreshadowing in the scene where the, the guys are talking uh, yeah. and it's cross-cut with the girls talking. Yeah, and yeah. one of them's like... I don't believe in condoms. Yeah. They fall off your dick and they don't work. And, and anyway, I, I, no, nobody I know have, has HIV. Yeah, yeah, who has uh, sexual diseases. Yeah. Basically never <laughs> happens. it's so naive. And it then straight cuts to uh, Telly looking at him. Yeah. And if you don't know, if you haven't seen the film before, you'd never think of it. No. But it, the camera very strongly implies, yeah, this guy <laughs> has HIV. Yeah. Uh, that's very, very, very nicely yeah, done. Yeah, it has a lot of like subtle touches like that. Yeah, and it's it's like almost humorously done, mm. even though the subject matter is really dark. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think it has a great flow, uh, which I think a lot of Harmony Queen movies or projects he's been involved in, they have this great beat or flow to it. Well, they can do it. I think it varies a bit from film to film, but yeah. specifically this and Gummo feel very like genuine and like an examination of a type of culture. yeah. Mm. And what I mean by the flow is it's the same kind of vibe, like uh, like a bit like Slacker, you know, or Richard Linklater movies in general have this sort of yeah. like waking life, and uh, you have this. Oh yeah, like the before trilogy, he yeah. has very good like natural flow through his films and yeah. dialogue driven often, but it doesn't feel contrived. Oh, it uh, feels like there's a very good yeah. sense of there's a good beat. Yeah, you know, it yeah. follows the like, beat, and it feels like everyday life. He's yeah. he's excellent at that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even a, a bit like, um, I don't know. I, I really love Richard Linklater. And, yeah, and I think the, the writing is quite similar. Like it, it has a similar sense to it. Uh, yeah, it just uh, like doesn't Harmony feel contrived at all. It doesn't feel like it doesn't movie feel dialogue. Like it's, it's actually really cool. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like movie dialogue. It feels like normal people talking. Exactly. And Although it is very written. Yeah, but that's the, that's the great quality about the writing. Mm. It's, it, it seems very... Very real. But you know what this also reminds me of? Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but this Norwegian television series called Shame. No, I haven't, actually. Which is um, totally very different. Yeah. But it's a series about young kids at school doing their everyday things and the drama and stuff. Yeah. And, like, the character interaction, that is also very naturalistic uh, acting. There's, these are all amateurs. They've not done anything uh, before. Yeah, and you can really feel that, like, the genuine conversation. Yeah. Also, it doesn't have, like, this patronising above perspective. This film, like that series, shows a lot of, like, blotched skin. It yeah. just looks like young Actual people. Actual teenagers. Uh, yeah, they don't feel clean-cut. They just look like like the first kids. scene in in kids. They have like gross, greasy skin, yeah. and it's like they're making out 
with like yeah, yeah, yeah. like heavily just and that reminds me a lot actually from uh, I think it's the third season where there's um there's like a because they're a bit themed the different seasons of yep. shame the third season is about um, homosexual boys yeah and there's a lot of scenes with two boys kissing. Uh, like the entire screen is filled basically with these uh, blotched skin, <laughs> uh, quite unattractive, yeah. but it feels it's well, that's really the right, nicely that, made. That's yeah. the right way to do it. Yeah. Like it's not Hollywood. It feels it's like not. young kids, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah like- but you should check it out. Actually, it's uh, it, you're not going to get a lot better film stuff from Norway. I think film no. series. Uh, speaking of Norway, have you seen uh, Before Nurse? I have not. Is it good? It's an HBO series, but it's made in Norway. And I know. It, I know. Um, yeah. I have mixed feelings about it, wow. but in a lot of ways, it's very well made okay. and well acted. Well, like I, the, the yeah. premise is so so like stupid almost. I'll tell you about that. It's basically Viking people and prehistoric people and people from the 19th century are like appearing in the Oslo fjord at night. Like uh, they have to become part of Norwegian society. <laughs> and oh, they're pairing together. They are appearing, like they're appearing, appearing. Like out of nowhere, like the the series starts with that, and then three years later, you see like how they're integrated or not integrated into society, and there's like uh, racism against them. Uh, and on top of this, it's sort of a crime show. Okay, okay. Which <laughs> I don't know. Like the setting is so outrageously weird, but it's done kind of well. I don't know. It's oh, yeah. interesting to watch. It sounds it, it, I check that, it out. that sounds a little bit like this French series, which is really good. Les Revenants or The Returned, which has this premise of uh, one day dead people just show up. They're not like zombies. They're just the normal people. Yeah. They just return and people have gotten older. So there's this the, these two twins, for example, where the one is now older than the other. Yeah. Quids a lot awkward, strange situations. It's really good the first season. Yeah, I've heard that. It's been on my to-watch list yeah. for a it while. Sounds like the premise sounds a bit similar to Beforeness. Yeah. And uh, it reminds me a bit actually of uh, Dark. Have you seen that? The he German, about it. the I German show. Yeah. I'd recommend that too. It's yeah. really well made yeah. and um, has a lot of similar like vibes of uh, people from different times, you know, interacting. And it's, but it, Dark is a lot more competently made than than uh, Beforeners, okay. simply because I think the premise is tighter and less incredulous <laughs> in a way. What did you think about the movie? I think it's very good. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it a lot. It's very concise and really well acted. It feels very genuine. Yeah, and um, filmatically, just it's precise. You know, it's, it's, it's well done, and yeah. it's it's uncomfortable to watch, but it never feels boring or uninteresting or patronizing. No, you feel aggravated. Yeah, and at times you just really fucking hate the characters. But you are entertained. Like it's an entertaining yeah. movie. Yeah, there's good drive to it. Yeah, I agree. I'd recommend it. Very much unequivocally. It's yeah. a great movie. Mm. Yeah. I have some mixed emotions about the making of the movie and like the all the nudity and like the focus on teenage bodies and stuff. And the, There are some things surrounding it that are, to me, a bit sleazy. But then again, but I, the film I don't, doesn't come off as sleazy. Though. No, it, it doesn't. It comes off yeah. as very, very genuine. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'd recommend it. It's mm. a great movie. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Do you have any um, unpleasant recommendations? I do, actually. This time it's a series, or I'm not sure if you've seen it yet. Uh, there's a new Netflix series called Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which you might have heard of. It's, I've uh, seen some of it, um, but I, I've just seen some, some later episodes and yeah, passing. Well, I haven't seen it from the start. Well, that's the thing. The series is about a serial rapist, more or less. 
And it's kind of like a crime show about that. But it starts off, first episode, which is my recommendation. <laughs> it's about a young girl, she gets raped, and um, she goes to the police, and there's an investigation starts. They believe her, and they, uh, they take it seriously. And then, slowly but surely, there's all these little questions that they have, whether or not uh, she's actually telling the truth. Like, she says slightly different things, but they're nitpicking, like, really nitpicking. And it ends up with her case being uh, put aside. And they, they just stop believing her. And that's the arc of the first episode. And I kind yeah. of knew this going in. Yeah. Just because, I mean, the show's called Unbelievable. Yeah. And um, I knew the plot point, too, because I've seen some later episodes. It's so well done. You really feel how it must be to not be believed in like so the horrible. worst crisis of your yeah, life. So horrible. And, 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 and how like everyone around you, like not just the police, but your caretakers, they're kind of nitpicking at things you say in, yeah. in the most unreasonable of ways. Like they're not doing with other people. It's a very strong episode. And what's really nice about it, the main investigator, he is good natured, yep. but incompetent. He just doesn't know how to handle this kind of thing. He certainly doesn't know it yet. He learns it later on in the series. Yeah. But the nice thing about that, the first episode has this narrative, and that's the second episode. It goes over to a female investigator later on yeah. with another rape victim from the, the same guy, and it shows how she handles this situation. And it's done with a lot more empathy and interest, and she believes that that's the general thing. She believes the victim. Yeah. And that contrast is really well done. The series goes on. It's good, but it's not as interesting. I mean, as it turns into more of a crime show, it's yeah, because it's competent, scene- but not as interesting. Like the first two, three episodes, really good. Specifically, the, the first episode yeah. is great, I think. The episodes I've seen are from later in the show, and yeah. it does feel like a regular crime yeah. procedural, albeit a very good one. Yeah, yeah, it, it becomes that. Yeah, it, and it's it's also really well acted and really well made. Yeah, um, but that first episode is quite unpleasant in the best of ways. Unbelievable. Episode yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, that's your recommendation. Mm. I will check it out, actually. I've been meaning to watch it. I have a recommendation. All right. Uh, an un- it's an unpleasant book. It's a book? <laughs> yes. A book I recently finished, which I loved. Okay. Um, it's extremely well written. It's about the troubles in Northern Ireland, and it's called Say Nothing. And it's, about, uh, it's written by Patrick uh, Radden Keefe, an American, I do believe. It's set in the late 90s? No, it's a a non-fiction book and it describes several key figures in the Troubles in Northern Ireland, specifically members of the provisional IRA, the provost. Hmm. Its central theme is sort of surrounding an unsolved murder of a mother of 10 in in Belfast in, in 1973, I think. And it deals with sort of the the lives and fates of several key people involved in the IRA, the terrorist actions they go through with. And mostly what makes it extremely unpleasant is the gray morality of it all. Like you really understand their motivations and stuff, <laughs> but then later you see their sort of fates after after the Good Friday Agreement. And, okay. and um, many of the key players involved are sort of disenchanted with the whole thing. One of the main players of the IRA at the time, one of the main leaders, becomes the sort of the the leading politician in Sinn Féin, yeah. which is a yeah. political party that grew out of the political wing of the IRA, of the provisional IRA. And uh, he denies any involvement with the IRA and sort of uh, just flat out denies that he had anything to do with it and sort of sort of casts off like earlier fellows that he fought with during the 70s in the Troubles. 
and you see all these sort of broken characters that struggle with the lives they've taken and struggle with the morality of it all, like struggle with memories of driving people who they considered friends Mm. out to get shot in the back of the head. And it's just really dark and intense and very well written and uh, very problematic. Uh, But it has like a narrative that does it start out with explaining the troubles in Northern Ireland? It's not a history of the troubles. Okay. It's a history of people in the troubles and and stories Mm. from the troubles. Okay. Uh, it actually starts out with uh, the night the mother of ten disappeared. Okay, okay. And you get a lot of sympathy for the children who were left mm. behind. And they were like, all the neighbors hated like the children. They got no help because they were seen to be touts or like uh, snitches. Oh. Because that's the reason she was disappeared. And Because uh, she had uh, informed. Yeah, she had, uh, she had been informing the British authorities yeah. or telling people who were in the IRA. Apparently, because nobody knows for sure this is an un- unsolved murder. Okay. Her family believes that she was not an informant. You know? okay, so okay. it's just people on one side saying one thing, people on the other side saying another thing. But, but, but she, was, she was missing until very recently her body was found. Okay, oh really? But there's a sort of a, a thing that IRA did called disappearing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have thought this kind of thing was a little bit common at that time. Yeah, it was common, but it's viewed, uh, I think, as a war crime in general when yeah. nations do it. Yeah. But you got to remember the troubles were not viewed as a war by the UK government. No. It was viewed as terrorist organizations yep. uh, doing horrible things. And so legally it's in this weird gray zone. The IRA, of course, believe they were in a genuine war of independence. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's intense. It's sad. It's really disturbing. And it's very well written. Like it's written in a way that like, like good literature, you know? So yeah, I'd recommend that book. Check it out if you want to delve into the the troubles in Northern Ireland. Which yeah, that sounds very strong. Super mm-hmm. interesting. So that's my unpleasant recommendation. All right. So the next movie we'll be watching is Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Yes. So you can prepare for that and watch it for the next podcast if you like. Yeah. A great movie, actually. Yeah. I'm going to reveal that I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a classic uh, for me, personally. Yeah, within the Korean new wave yeah. cinema. Great stuff. Yeah, I think that's it for us today. So thanks for listening and we'll see you later. Yes, and have a good week. Yes, have a good life. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.